Hey y'all, Wayne here. Alex found this chat with Ashley Neese in the vault. It feels like a timely episode to share as we start to wrap up 2021. We hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Ashley. I'm so glad that we are in conversation today. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's a celebratory day. It's a good day. So I am, I'm doing well too. I'm feeling good. I don't know if you watched the inauguration, but it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. And I'm actually really glad that we're having this conversation today. It feels really important. And I'm also just noticing my body, like a little bit more space to breathe, which is nice. My gosh, that is so nice, especially after the year we've had and the four years we had prior to. But anyway, let us dive into our conversation. So for those listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, please let us know who you are and what you do. Hey, everyone. I am Ashley Neese. I am author of the book, How to Breathe. I am a breathwork and embodiment educator. I am also a mother of an amazingly creative and curious and busy toddler. I am in partnership with a wonderful, beautiful human. And we are now stewards of little over 30 acres of land outside of Yosemite National Park in California. Oh my goodness. That all sounds divine, especially the part about the land. I saw that announcement on social and it was just beautiful to see. So I want to kick us off with the importance of breathwork to you and the embodiment of how it brings us back to our bodies and how you got started in this work. Let's see. There's so many kind of routes to how I got started and what's just coming up for me right now is that like I have always had a really deep love for being with people. And what I mean by that is not just like being around other people, but really sitting with them in their joys and their pain and mm-hmm. their struggles. And I have like really early imprints of kind of what it means to be a participant in community in that way and how healing happens in the attuned presence of others, right? So mm-hmm. healing is something that just kind of magically happens on our own it actually happened like in relationship and you know this comes from like years of being at serve in service at my temple and also at a very young age being involved in 12-step groups but for me what I found over the years and through all my studies was that you know we all have this amazing power of our bodies right and we're all kind of breathing all the time whether we're conscious of it or not and something happens when you get a group of people together in a circle to just start breathing and being in their bodies it's incredibly like transformational and just the energetic shifts and the psychological shifts and the somatic shifts that can happen in those kind of settings are really kind of what keeps me going. And, you know, even though we're in the middle of this pandemic and I haven't led an (laughs) in-person class or retreat in so long, it feels it's, it's still like kind of the driving force behind my work. And I love being with people and I love continuing to expand my capacity to go deeper within myself so that I can really show up in, in a profound way for others. 
Mm. So that brings me to kind of my next point about your passion for building community through meditation and breath work and also just self-care as this act of community care and self-healing even as this act of community care. So as we link those two together, what has self-healing taught you about community and what has breath work taught you about community as well? I love your question so much. And it's interesting, you know, Alex, like the last couple of years, especially with having a little one and being a first time parent, you know, self-care has looked really different than it had like pre, you know, baby. And it's like, you know, I remember early on in my, you know, meditation and breathwork studies, I'd be up at 4am and, you know, Mm. doing this intense practice and like dry brushing and, you know, doing all this really beautiful stuff. And at the time I was single and, you know, without kids and was just really getting my career started. And if I'm up at 4am, it means something's wrong. It means not like for this like beautiful, you know, practice session, but it's really like today, my self care is really like about reclaiming my body, you know, we're just starting the weaning process. And it is a a process, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, I'm in this kind of reclamation of my body of my psychic space and of my energy, so that I can actually show up more and be in community more. And that self care aspect is so essential. And it's really, it's been so important for me to give the majority of my energy into my son and to my partner and to my clients in these last few years, but I'm really excited about what's to come in terms of what's going to happen for me creatively as I start to take more care of myself in this year ahead. And in terms of, you know, the second question around, you know, breath work and how, like, could you just remind me what that part was about the breath work? Yeah, just what it's taught you about community. I mean, I know you lead these circles and you're in private practice and I know things look different now, of course, because of COVID and everything, but I just wonder what breathwork has taught you about being in community with people and also the aspect of like self-healing work and essentially you're giving people permission to heal themselves through being present and in their bodies. So just feel free to flow with like the community aspect of both of those things as you are an author and facilitator, teacher and everything else in between. Sure. So I think for me, what, what was the most powerful thing about breathwork for me personally was just, it was this, you know, the breath is a tool that we have access to 24 seven. It's always with us. It's inside of us. It doesn't require any kind of degree or special outfit, any of these things, right. Or even that we have, you know, a certain amount of money or whatever, you know, our accessibility, it's just, we all breathe and we all do it again. Like I said, either consciously or unconsciously. And in my early days of, you know, doing yoga teacher trainings and meditation teacher trainings, i just still felt like there was this barrier to entry. People are having a hard time, like they're coming into my yoga class and they're already feeling like, yeah, I can't touch my toes or I can't stand on my head. So like, I don't necessarily feel like I belong here. And I was like, no, 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 that's actually totally inaccurate. So what can I do to just kind of level the playing field in in that space and in that world? And so for me, it just came down to the breath. I was like, you don't need to wear a yoga outfit when you come to my class. Like, I don't really care how you show up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Show up however you want, just come as you are. And let's just sit down. Let's just first just sit down 
And let's just all take a moment and just notice what happens as you inhale and as you exhale, that's it. Like that's all we're going to do for the next 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And things shifted, you know, things shifted within me. And the more passionate I got about it, and the more I saw my life change, the more I wanted to, of course, you know, spread the gospel of breathing. I'm like, (laughs) we can all breathe. And they're kind of going, I mean, you know, it's funny. I remember my early days, like doing my little elevator pitch. And at the time I was living in LA and LA is just, it's a great city, but it's definitely a place like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I teach people how to breathe. And the looks I would get, people would just look at me like, what? I literally already do that. I'm like, yeah, but are you aware of it? How does your body feel? You actually know you're doing it. Where do you feel that in your body? And then they just kind of look at me like, oh, I don't actually feel what's happening in body. I'm like, great, come to my class. Let's sit down. Let's chat. You know, so it's just, again, it leveled this playing field. And I love that it was just, it's like this great equalizer. It's like, we can all just sit here and breathe and show up for each other. And that is the kind of the magic spark because we don't know what's coming. You know, anytime we sit down to meditate, anytime we sit down to practice and just be with ourselves, we don't actually know what's going to show up. And so there's this, you know, kind of magical unknown. There's this uncertainty that in the beginning can be very anxiety producing. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to cry or like start yelling, like what's going to happen. And the beauty is the more we practice, the more we strengthen our own internal capacity to just be with ourselves. I love, I love all of that. And when I think about my breath work and my personal practice of reconnecting with self and healing and just being in my body, because for so long, especially as a child, I spent a lot of time outside of my body. So noticing and knowing when I need to get back in there, you know, and be more present, especially as I'm on this journey to self-healing, breathing allows me to do that and get back to basics. And I love how you were just breaking down, like, let's just sit here for a minute. I don't care how you show up, just show up. You don't have to stand on your head. You don't have to do anything other than be in your body and to breathe. And I think more people need to be given that opportunity to be attuned and aligned with their breath, because that really is the most sacred act. It shows us that we are alive. How has your work influenced you as a mother and a partner? It's, it's so interesting. It's really just touched every, every aspect of my life. And, you know, really kind of talking, you know, back to what I was mentioning before around how cultivating a practice of breath work, and you can call it breathing, you can call it being with yourself, you know, whatever language you want to use, but just cultivating this practice of, you know, being still mm-hmm. and going within ultimately helps us expand our capacity, right? And when we expand our capacity to be with ourselves, no matter what shows up, we then expand our capacity to really be in presence and attunement with others. And this has shown up (laughs) tenfold in my partnership and with my son. And, you know, we hear a lot, um, and you write about this, like so beautifully in your work and you teach about, you know, the inner child work and the reparenting journey. And what's been so healing for me with my son around having a breathwork practice and showing up as in this way is that as I expand my capacity to be with him, I am giving my younger self something that she didn't get. I am creating a full circle of healing and repair, right? And so it 
and not only heals the generations coming after Solomon, it actually heals backwards, right? So I'm healing forwards and I'm healing my lineage. And it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful to be in that moment of going, wow, my little one did not get this. She did not get this. Nobody showed up for her in this way. But mm-hmm. here I am with my practice and and it's not about doing it perfectly. Right? It's, it's totally not like parenting, like you're never going to parent perfectly, but just showing up and go, wow, I am, I'm holding him in this moment. And he is struggling. He's having a meltdown. He is overwhelmed. And I can either kind of go into my, you know, kind of activated young girl self and go, oh my God, who's going to show up here? Like, where's the adult in the room? And then you have that moment where you go, oh, wait, I'm the adult. I'm showing up here. (laughs) Here's Mm -hmm. my baby. He needs Mm -hmm. me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like taking that moment, holding him, inhaling deeply, exhaling completely, reminding myself, girl, you've got this, like you have got this, you can be with him. And boom, it's just so life changing. And I've, you know, I've had similar moments like that with, uh, with my partner, not necessarily where I'm holding him when he's having a meltdown. But (laughs) I mean, I think that's actually been the opposite. He's held me through many a meltdown, especially this last year. And he's been amazing at that. But really, it comes from continuing to grow my capacity. And this is showing up a lot for us in our relationship right now with anger, right? And he more freely expresses his anger and frustration. And and sometimes it really pisses me off because my little one is like, wait, you're not allowed to do that. Like, you're not allowed to feel angry. Like, and I'm like, oh yeah, you actually are. And when you feel angry in your body, like when you have that embodied rage, it is powerful. It is cleansing. It is like a multivitamin that we all need because most of what we see in the world and experience is people disembodied when they're angry. Right. Mm -hmm. And so learning how for me through breath work to be in my body and be angry is something that I'm learning through my partnership right now. And it is, it's awesome. And it's something that I've needed for like lifetimes, you know, Mm. Mm. Oh my God. There's so many points that I want to touch on. I think what really struck me is when you said that you are healing forward and backward. And just as someone who has deep-rooted childhood trauma and who's mothering three girls, and I think that I have been blessed with daughters because there's so much more healing work to be done as a woman myself, it just reminded me how this work is never ending. Like even when we come into parenthood, even when we come into partnership and we are making these strides through our healing journey, it is going to be a forever thing. And I want to get your thoughts on being patient when we drop the ball, being patient when we do lose ourselves and essentially reprogramming ourselves to come back to the body with this simple act of breathing and mindfulness, essentially. Like even when things are chaotic, we can come back, come back to our breath. And sometimes people like roll their eyes at me so much when I say that, but it's true and it's really helped save me. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that, on coming back to the breath, on even when things are maybe not ideal for us and like the gift that we're giving our younger self in doing so. I love just everything that you shared and what you're asking right now, I think is so important. And 
you know, what's coming up for me in those moments when we're able to just hit pause, right? I had an old teacher, he actually just passed away a couple months ago, but one of his biggest gift, one of the biggest gifts I learned from him was the power of the pause, right? And that the pause is sacred and that we can call a pause in any moment, <laughs> any moment. And especially when it's a hectic moment, that's definitely when we need to be calling a pause, like, whoa, whoa, pause. And we have a thing in our family and we're teaching it to Solomon. I mean, he's two and he's, he is getting it and he gets what we're doing, but it's like, okay, we're calling a pause. Like this is a family tool. It's a family practice. Like we're calling a pause. And in that moment, when I call that pause, I take my breath. And I feel my feet on the ground and, or sometimes I put a hand on my heart. You know, I'm a person who really uh, responds to touch and like safe touch. And when, when I just put a hand on my heart or even a hand on my belly, it just immediately anchors me. It's like, oh, okay, there I am. There's my boundary. There's my edge. Like, and, and that is, that's like in that moment, it is, you know, we're creating a new story. We're creating a new lineage. We are in choice. And I think that's mm. the thing that I want to emphasize when we take that pause and when we take an inhale and an exhale, we are in choice. We are no longer like our behavior is no longer dictated by, you know, all the circumstances that we grew up with, you know, all the patterns that we're trying to change. And we have a moment where we can then choose a different option. And when we're in that fight or flight response, like we have very few options. Like there's about three that we have, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> we know that science has shown us like we have three options. We can run, we can fl fight, flee or fawn. That's it. But when we mm. take that moment to like actually start to bring ourselves into regulation, just through one or two breaths. It's like all of a sudden, all of these other options come online. And, and for me, the way that I look at that too, is that when I take that breath, not only do I have more choice, but ultimately I'm in my power. I'm in my adult self. And when adult Ashley is on board, it is just so much easier. Mm. It's just so much easier. And it's not about ignoring little Ashley. It's not about that at all. It's actually about integration. It's yes. like, okay, I'm integrating in this moment. My adult mm. self is here. My little one's okay. Okay. What's needed right now? What's needed? right now and normally for me that's like I need to be taking a step back that's usually where my work is it's like, you just pull my hands out of the situation and just like take a beat oh, okay that's not mine to mess with got it you know and the other thing I just want to say about that too because I you know I've gotten many of um, eyes rolled at me over the years for, for the work that I do it's like it can't be that simple it is that simple but it's only that simple if you have a practice Right. Right. You can't call on something that you don't actually do. Right. Mm. You've got to have that practice. You've got to have that foundation so that in those moments you have something to call on. I, I spoke with someone earlier and she said that one of her teachers told her that you, what you practice, you become. And I was like, oh shit, like facts through and through. And as you said, right, it is not this thing. It's not just taking a breath or taking a, a beat or, or that pause moment. It is about the continuous practice Yes. of that breath, of that breathing, of that pause moment. And from being someone who came from like chaos and there was really no pausing, it was highly irate and emotionally abusive and physically abusive, like there was no pausing. So to be able to be in my adult body now with the mindset that I have now and to be able to 
make a choice, as you mentioned, to pause, to step back, to recalibrate, recenter, and breathe. That is a practice. And you know, I know I'm doing it. I know I'm practicing it because my little one who's 16 months, when things get maybe too loud in here or when Isla, who's three, is having a time, she goes... The 16-month-old. And she <laughs> breathes. And she goes up to Isla and she puts her hand on her and she breathes. And that is her way to say, sis, breathe. Because that is what we do in this house, you yeah. know? And yeah. it's wild. Our children are watching. So you and your family having that power of pause and making that a practice for your unit is just stunning and amazing. And I want more people to feel like they have permission to do that, even if you've never done it before, even if you don't know where to start, try it and lean into a practice. I feel that so deeply and I'm so glad that you shared that. Oh no, I'm just smiling over here so big because <laughs> I love, I am just like, my heart feels so big and full right now listening to you talk about your little one with her breath and, you know, our son Solomon, the same thing. He just, I mean, he gets on my yoga mat with me every day and sometimes this is just reminding me of what you shared. When I'm like, just having a moment, he'll go and get my yoga mat out and put it down and come and say, mama yoga, got it. Like you are the teacher, you are leading the way, but it's, it's amazing. And that's just a testament to the practice, right? And I love what you shared too, because you don't even have to know where to start. You can start by taking a couple slow breaths, inhales and exhales out of your nose, wherever you are. You can start by, you know, grabbing a book, by hopping onto your Instagram. Alex, I swear is like, I send everybody I know there. I'm like, follow her journal prompts, listen to her questions. Everything she's got is amazing. But yeah, it's like that just start somewhere, you know, just yeah. start somewhere. And it's like, and you share this, I think so beautifully in your work too. Like it is a process and it's just like one foot in front of the other, one breath at a time. And you know, every single uh, day, I think that's important to emphasize. And I, I would love to get your thoughts on this as well, that day at a time thing. And I know people roll their eyes at that and they're like, okay, like, when am I going to make it to my destination? When am I going to arrive? And the truth is there's no arrival. There is just constant being in flow and in practice and in recalibration until the day we die, because I am a believer that we are students of life and we should be learning until we take our last breath. I want to get your thoughts on that day at a time. Keep going, keep trying, keep failing and keep rising because there's no perfection in this life. There is just trial and error and learning the best way that we know how and being in practice. So what would you say to that? I, I love what you're saying. And it just, all of it resonates so much with me about, because really part of the practice is taking the risk and it is, you know, having the perceived failure, right? Because <laughs> I feel like so much of failure is really our perception. And, you know, so often, you know, I've reached for things that, you know, I didn't, not like I went after things that like weren't right for me, or I tried different stuff that like didn't ultimately work out. And, you know, that's how I got to where I am today too, like through a lot of trials and error. And I think that there's, it's so often we can get like stuck in that fear of like, oh, like I'm so scared just to take that first step. Right. Like, and I used to have students when I was teaching a lot, you know, who would kind of hang outside, like they kind of hover by the door mm -hmm. of the classroom and just like wide eyed, like, and I'd go greet them. Hey, what's going on? I'm like, you feeling a little scared to come in? You know, no words, just a nod. Like, yes. I'm like, you know, it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can stop. If you feel overwhelmed during the process, you can stop, you know, like you 
you have full agency here. You can just mm-hmm. like take a pause. You can take a nap. You can get some water. You can take care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Back to the self-care piece. It's like, we can take care of ourselves during this process, but it is one day at a time. It is sometimes it is one moment at a time, mm-hmm. you know? And I know, especially with little ones it's like, <laughs> and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And you know, it's all the things, but it's like, okay, let's just like get to the next hour. Like, what do I need for myself? to get through the next hour so that I'm not like, you know, pushing myself. So I'm not like, you know, kind of overextending myself or kind of getting myself into this state of overwhelm. Like, what do I need to do just to like bring a little bit more ease, a little bit more gentleness and just so I can get through this next, you know, whatever that next thing is for you, that next minute, that next hour, that next, you know, day, mm. that next project. Right. But it is mm. just it's got to be a daily practice. And that is so counterculture in the culture that we live in. You know, we live in this, like, just take this pill and that will solve all your problems or right. buy this thing. And that's going to be the answer. Get this relationship. And it's like, no, no, honey, it's all work. Like there's no yeah. getting around it, whether that's, <laughs> you know, what you choose to feed yourself with or whatever it is. It's like, it's all work. And it's like, that's not a bad thing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So as we wrap up, I could literally talk to you, but so, so good and nourishing. Um, I want to talk briefly about the Instagram post you shared a few posts back and you said, notice where you feel resourced. Mm. And that just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) I don't know, like, where do I feel resourced? And I want to get your thoughts on that and your elaboration on what you meant by notice where you feel resourced. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because this is an interesting one because I got quite a few DMs about this. Like, tell me more. Like, I'm really I'm intrigued now. So I'm glad you're asking me about this. And really this resourcing practice for me, it stems from breath work. It stems from my, like all the somatic work that I've done and the embodiment work that I do, but it's, it's an anchor, right? And it's about taking a moment to notice where you feel resourced in your body. Right. So often, you know, in fair and different, you know, therapy communities, and even just in the wellness in general, we're kind of looking for resources outside of ourselves. And that could be like taking a walk in nature, any of those things, which are great, you know, because we're part of nature and that's, you know, a really important thing to do, but it's also equally as important to actually go inside of ourselves and notice where we feel strength, where we feel flexible, where we Mm -hmm. feel maybe some spaciousness or some freedom right? Because often when we're dealing with our bodies, so much of our focus is on where we feel pain, where we feel discomfort, what's not working, why aren't we where we want to be, those types of things. So this practice of just noticing where we feel resource has been a huge anchor for me. It's been one that I've, you know, guided clients through for many years. And, you know, it it also comes from uh, my very early days of being in recovery. And I'm talking like 20 years ago, you know, my early, early days of uh, being in 12 step rooms and like not even being able to settle my system for like two seconds, like even two seconds of sitting still was like excruciating. Like I just was like, I want out. Like, I don't want to be here. I I want out, get me out now, you know? And after so many years of doing so many different healing modalities and therapy and healing and just all the things, it's like, now I can sit with myself and just go, huh? Like my legs feel really strong today. That's really great. Or "Mm, the space, like right behind my eyes feels soft. Wow, that's new. I'm somebody who carries like a lot of hypervigilance and tension like in the eyes. So it's noticing these different areas in our body where we feel strength, where we feel, like I said, that strength and that flexibility and that resource so that we can then move from that place and so that we can use that as a lifeline. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. 
Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.